0: Debbie George Addis welcome to my show America can we talk today we're going to talk about Turkey and the Kurds the ABC's fake out and the real story the Center for Security Policy weighs in on Syria the Kurds and Turkey CNN's impeachment derangement you will not believe and finally Attorney General Barr's epiphany I cannot wait to tell you about it and finally of course I'll tell you why these stories matter to you stay tuned I am a
1: Debbie Addis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth.
0: And welcome again to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, and welcome to today's First Five. Everyone in the country, all the armchair Monday morning quarterback type national security experts are weighing in in criticism of President Trump and his decision to pull American troops back from the border between Syria and Turkey, exposing the Kurds who are our allies. And so you had of course conversation all over the weekend and all this past week about how Trump is President Trump is just abandoning our allies, and I will tell you it's a very very serious situation. But I think a lot of people love to, uh, certainly the never Trumpers and even others who are inclined to be suspicious of President Trump's qualifications for the presidency are so quick to criticize and assume the worst and assume that no thought went into that. And actually the situation is far more complex. But I want to start in today's First Five just to share with you a little clip. This little clip was played on air. Oh, actually no, I want to start with a map very quickly. Matt, the very wonderful producer, has two maps. Just to give you a a broad idea, a quick idea, uh, clip number one is a map, broadly speaking, of the Middle East, just so we know where we're talking about. In this map, Turkey is green, Syria is pink, and below it. So Turkey's kind of the upper left-hand corner, Syria's below it and to the right. So that is the border where this dispute is occurring. Turkey has invaded Syria. And then clip number two, the very wonderful map, is a bit more of a close-in look. And in this map, Turkey is this orangish color and uh, Syria is green. And it's it's just interesting in America, we have all these people who I'm gonna tell you couldn't find those two countries on a map in under a minute if you gave them a million dollars, but they certainly know that President Trump is to be criticized. I will say the situation is very complex over there and I don't lightly dismiss the idea of not standing with the Kurds. However, I wanted to play one other clip to start with, and this is actually a clip from ABC. The American Broadcasting Corporation, ABC News. This is clip three, the very wonderful Matt. This is what was played on air on by ABC News about the impending. So so Turkey did invade and they invade this northern northeastern area of Syria where the Kurds are and the Kurds were hoping for America's help. America's troops pulled back. So this is what ABC played on air. This video, obtained by ABC News, appears to show the fury of the Turkish attack on the border town of Tel Tonight, the expanding march of war in Syria. Okay, the effort is, of course, to portray that this horrific, uh, you know, and war is horrific and fighting is horrific, and I'm sorry that we ever, ever have it, but that news clip was played by ABC on their evening show and on their morning show again, only to be exposed as actually a clip from a gun range from two years ago inside the United States of America, a gun range. It has some kind of gun show. Somebody saw that video on ABC, and they were a part of the gun range shooting expedition. These people have something they call it. Their um, uh, doesn't matter. They they have some big event every other year or twice a year or something, and they have at this gun range. So that was not that was not filmed from. Uh, the northern part of Syria that was not film involving the Turks invading and shooting at the Kurds that was from Voluntary involvement in a gun range in the United States of America What I would love is to have ABC They did pull it down and say uh, hey, I don't know how that happened They ought to look into that and somebody should be fired because obviously But the, you know, it's not just that they played something that was completely bogus It is that what they why they did that is to continue to feed to continue to feed the anti-Trump, anti-American, Trump is terrible, isn't he awful, he abandoned the Kurds, let's all hate on Trump, let's all agree he's a terrible president. This fit their narrative, so they played it. That's what ABC did. But developments today have actually been looking up. I'm gonna dive in more to what some of the experts had to say about the Kurds and are not standing uh, right next to them in the, on the northern border of Syria as the, Turks, uh, as the Turkish army attacked. But I wanna finish something that happened today in this first five, and that is this idea. President Trump said that he would, if the Turkish army engaged in any conduct he did not approve of, not like, that he would uh, disable, he he would attack the Turkish economy. He actually put out an executive order. President Trump did an executive order saying essentially that If uh, that he put extreme um, sanctions on Turkey as a result of this invasion. Turkey now, just either yesterday or today, Turkey has now reached out to the president. To be clear, President Trump on the phone with the leader of the uh, Turkish, of the Kurds forces, the American allies of Kurds, President Trump on the phone with the Kurds leader and discussing with him the situation, what's really going on in Syria, what's really going on in the Turkish army attacking Northern Syria. So Trump's been on the phone with Kurdish General Mazlum Kobani Abdi. And then he, Trump, heard from the truly jihadist, leader of the country of Turkey, the jihadist leader of the country of Turkey, who is President Erdogan. Erdogan called Trump today or yesterday. I'm not sure where this timing is, yesterday or today. Erdogan called Trump and said, actually, could you help us get to peace negotiations with the Kurds? So instead of Trump having just, you know, foolishly emboldened the Turkish leader, Trump's actions of, both pulling back our own troops or saving American lives, but also at the same time, putting on sanctions on Turkey, and also some of the European uh, Union allies are talking about sanctioning Turkey. Turkey doesn't wanna be in that position. They may be jihadist. I mean, the leader of Turkey, Erdogan, has said numerous times recently, he's still all for an Islamic caliphate. He is working toward an Islamic caliphate. He's not a nice guy, but, The Turkish president called Trump and said, please help us negotiate with the uh, Kurds in getting to a settlement. One more clip now, Vice President Pence spoke outside the White House this morning, talking to reporters about the conversation between Trump and uh, Erdogan. Here is Vice President Pence.
1: President Trump was very direct with President Erdogan on that point and received a firm commitment from President Erdogan that there would be no attack against the city of Kobani. Uh, Today, the president also met with Senator Lindsey Graham, uh, who was present when the president signed uh, an executive order implementing a new range of sanctions against Turkey. Uh, But again, uh, to be very clear, the president of the United States called uh, on the president of Turkey to stop the invasion, uh, to enact an immediate ceasefire and to begin negotiations uh, with Kurdish forces uh, in Syria. Uh, and the president has directed me uh, to lead a delegation to Turkey uh, to begin those discussions about how we can bring we can bring this violence to an end.
0: And there you have Vice President Pence. So at least as where it stands today, the Turkish government, Erdogan, seems to want to get to the negotiating table with the Kurds asking for America's assistance. So this is at least at this point, has had a good outcome. And that, I guess, is to wraps up today's first five is where we are on this story of the uh, armchair national security experts weighing in, uh, criticizing President Trump. At least as of today, it seems to be going well. And that is today's first five. Turning now, we have joining us online, I believe we have Frank Gaffney online. I'm gonna tell you a bit about him. The reason why I'm gonna join us today is because if there's anyone I trust in Washington, D.C. as an actual national security expert, years and years of involvement in national security policy in Washington, D.C. He is the founder and the executive chairman of the Center for Security Policy. Uh, He has also um, worked in uh, a variety of places in government, starting with back in the era of Uh, President Reagan, when President Reagan was dealing with the threat of the communist expansion mode and the idea of working against communist expansion uh, against Russia. This gentleman we have joining us now, Frank Gaffney, was part of that idea of understanding the breadth of the warfare needed to challenge communism. He's brought his tremendous national security background to the uh, fore in the in his work in the Center for Security Policy. A, a, just a, a tremendous expert with respect to national security policy. So I want to ask him. I Actually, let to make sure. Do we have Mr. Gaffney online?
2: I'm here. You can hear me.
0: I can. Hi, Frank. Nice to have you. Hi, Debbie so i want to be with you i want to start with this the in this and there we see there's frank gaffney but he's on the phone um there was a uh, just a huge outcry in washington when president trump announced that after a phone call with president erdogan i believe it was two sundays ago or Yeah, Sunday ago, that he was not going to uh, keep American troops at the border of Syria as Turkey was planning on invading, Erdogan's invading, and President Trump announced he was going to pull back American troops. Many people got upset about that, said essentially, hey, the Kurds are allies. You can't be leaving them in harm's way. I'm going to just start with that. Knowing that that was the first uh, event in this particular incident, was your sense that that was a uh, strategic mistake of President Trump or were you on board with the idea of pulling American troops back?
1: Well,
2: at the risk of sounding like an armchair uh, quarterback, <laughs> uh, I uh, I was not all that keen on this idea, uh, Debbie. And what you've just said, uh, what you've reported on what's happened in the past few hours, uh, is encouraging, and I, I hope it will bear fruit. Um, I I am very concerned about Erdogan uh, for a number of reasons, and I think we've talked about him in the past. Uh, this is a this is a full on. Sharia supremacist who seeks, as you mentioned uh, a moment ago, to build a caliphate. I mean, we've recently been hearing about the Islamic State's caliphate. Um, I don't think the Turks would be much better, honestly. And uh, what we've seen uh, Erdogan doing in the course of this invasion uh, tends to reinforce that concern. Um, it, th- that's part of the problem, Debbie. The the other part of what concerns me so much about Erdogan and, and what he's been doing, what Turkey has been doing under his uh, very protracted rule, is uh, that it, he's engaged in, um, I think, uh, subversive behavior inside our own country, uh, in league with the Muslim Brotherhood, who he has now kind of become the patron of, and that's that's very troubling, too. So we have, we have problems with the Turks in the region, we have problems with the Turks here, and it seemed to me that um, giving them a sense that they could have their way in Syria, which I think was the practical effect of moving um, our forces initially, a relatively small number and now virtually all of them, uh, out of the way of the invasion that uh, Erdogan told the president he was going to undertake um, was—it seemed to me likely to conduce to pretty much what we've seen: violence and uh, you know, murderous attacks on people with whom we had been fighting.
0: Absolutely. Alongside, I was going to mention on the Kurds for a moment, just to tell our listeners the Kurds are not a uh, uniformly—they're not a religious entity; they're more of an ethnic entity. There are Kurds who are Christian, Kurds who are Muslim, Kurds who are maybe nothing at all, but Kurds is an ethnic group, right?
2: Kurds uh, are definitely an ethnic group with um, a presence in a number of countries in the Middle East, but they don't have a homeland of their own. And you're right, they have various uh, religious affiliations. I think most of them are, are Muslim, though um, some of the more uh You know, Arab and doctrinaire Muslims, uh, I think, are uh, given to considering them, um, if not uh, fully apostates, then certainly not uh, completely with their Sharia supremacist program. So they've been targeted by not only the Turks uh, for a long time, but also by uh, the Iranians and, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the Iraqis. Um, over the years and of course the syrians so it's it's a um a group of people uh who have uh more or less and it's not an unbroken record of success i will say but more or less have been um on our side in these various uh conflicts that we've found ourselves in and um I, and I think that was my other principal concern about the president's decision. Was it was pretty clear, in, as much as said so on occasion, um, they're on their own. That was worrying,
0: right? And Kurds, actually, to be clear, were considered especially. We were we Americans grateful for them because they were helping America and our forces in re- weeding out ISIS. I mean, the, our big the big accomplishment of the Trump administration was to get aggressive against ISIS, and Kurds fought on our side. You want to expand on that? Oh, they, were, they were very involved in helping uh, helping root out ISIS uh, to the extent it's been done.
2: Yeah, look, they weren't just doing it for us. The, the guys in ISIS, as I say, were among those Sharia supremacists who didn't have much use for the Kurds. Uh, but um, they were uh, willing to serve as kind of the ground forces for um, the president's efforts to eliminate the ISIS caliphate. And, uh, you know, you've, I'm sure, been hearing stories, I'm sure your audience has as well, of uh, the sentiments of some of our special forces personnel in Syria who had, in fact, um, found they were very... Robust, um, often, in fact, uh, decisive comrades in arms in the fight against ISIS and um, felt very unhappy about uh, abandoning them to their fate, which uh, in the hands of either the Turks um, or uh, the Iranians uh, or ISIS and perhaps even the Syrian government uh, uh, was not likely to be a very happy fate
0: absolutely and i want to talk about turkey for a moment we're speaking with frank gaffney the founder of the center for security policy and with respect to the country of turkey uh, it is an astonishing thing you mentioned erdogan having uh, encouraged the caliphate he's talked many times recently encouraging uh, jihad against the kurds cyprus greece the balkans um, he talks about openly about wanting to reestablish the ottoman empire he gives, he, this, this is not a vague, dubious concern that Erdogan, the head of Turkey, would like to establish the Islamic Caliphate. He, he's just a, he's a jihadist who gets to run a country. So here's our, the other issue about it that I wanna ask your thought about it is, so Turkey is a member of NATO. That was a perhaps unwise decision, but part of our American commitment in NATO is to defend our NATO partners. So, and it put the American a little bit of a, a tough position because, Turkey's part of NATO and Erdogan told us ahead of time he was gonna do this allegedly small little incursion. So does this make you, I mean, I I don't know, I guess I have a bunch of questions, but number one, should Turkey even be part of NATO? And number two, does our our support of NATO mean that we were in any way restricted from fighting against the Turkish invasion to Syria?
2: Well, these are important questions, Debbie. Uh, Turkey um, at the time, when they were admitted to NATO uh, was a huge asset to the alliance. Um, They had the largest army uh, in NATO, second only to our own. Um, It was disciplined. It was uh, quite um, uh, powerful. Uh, The Turks are very, very, um, shall we say, vicious fighters. Uh, And so I think it was considered a coup at the time to have them helping to hold down part of that flank of uh, Russia that would otherwise, the Soviet Union at the time, that would otherwise have been uh, an even bigger threat to us and our allies there. Um, The problem has, as you said, Debbie, been that uh, in the past decade or so, um, this country, uh, which had been quite, solidly in our camp, um, a secular Turkish uh, Muslim country, but uh, run by principally the military or uh, at least uh, governments that were uh, willing to adhere to the Constitution or or the program that was laid out um, shortly after World War I by uh, the founder of modern Turkey, Ataturk. Which, which was deliberately designed not to uh, have it be a Muslim state, an Islamic state. Um, what has happened with Erdogan, who is, as I've said, uh, all about uh, an Islamic state and very committed to expanding it, for heaven's sakes, um, is that we've witnessed, uh, under his rule, um, essentially the end of that Ataturk, Approach, And increasingly, this has become a um, more and more of a, well, a, an Islamic republic, as they say, uh, you know, with uh, all of the trappings of uh, sort of theocratic um, influence. And, uh, you know, the secular stuff is over the side. People who don't want to be, um, you know, living under Sharia law are uh, persecuted. And uh, it, it's, it's gotten to be less and less of an ally all the time. In fact, we've published a book at the Center for Security Policy, which people can get for free as a PDF if they'd li- like to, at uh, securefreedom.org, entitled Turkey, Ally No More. Yep. It's a collection of essays that just describe why that's so. This is the problem, and unfortunately, just quickly, there's no way under the NATO rules to expel a member state from it. Um, if there were, I think we would have already probably started taking actions against the Turks. We need to take certain actions against them in any event. I think like, you know, uh, not selling them any more arms, that's now yeah. being increasingly adopted, but also yeah. not sharing sensitive intelligence with them, because I think really they're not on our side.
0: Yep. Yeah. You know, your view, which I'm not, I am actually in agreement with, I was surprised that we were not going to stand with the in this particular circumstance, Stameth occurs in uh, Syria the lar- uh, to repel the Turkish invasion. But the larger question of America involved in foreign wars, and many Americans critical of the idea that we you know, we can't be the world's policeman, we can't be everywhere. And also in the broader context of the complexity of all the players in the Middle East, and we really uh, – we have – Countries that are under Islamic rule that have varying degrees of, uh, you know, desire for a caliphate, the uh, intolerance of people who are or uh, interest in a caliphate. We have, you know, shifting loyalties, and it's a very complex thing. And the all question is supposed to come back to for our national policy is, what is the American interest? In getting into these wars, I mean, the, the you know, sadly, the Middle East has been at war for you know 1,400 years or something. I mean, just it, it's endless there. So, the the dividing line of what justifies our presence in any um, any war in that part of the world has to in part be asked be around the question: What what is our national security interest? So, I um I, I thought Trump President Trump was trying to make the point that you know we we can get at repelling this and we can protect our kurds with some other way without our own precious soldiers being involved but they that may have been the wrong call but and this is i'm sorry that was that was kind of a speech that was my monday morning quarterbacking that's right but
2: now <laughs> i'm going to go back and ask you a question well, welcome to your armchair kid <laughs> um look you you said a lot of things there that that are worth exploring and i don't know if we've got the time to do justice to it but but very quickly um I, my own feeling about it is that where you can have an outsized influence on events in a region where you do have strategic interests. They 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 may not be obvious uh, to some folks. Uh, they may be uh, a product of as much as anything of trying to make sure that bad things don't happen. That would be very detrimental to your interests, and I think that's what's really at stake in this particular case of, uh, of Iran yeah. um, developing more of a, of a capacity to project power throughout um, the region, the so-called Shia Crescent that connects the uh, Iranian territories through Iraq, through Syria, through Lebanon, to the Mediterranean. Uh, I think that's something that we really do have a vital interest in. I think we have a vital interest in containing what the Russians are up to there. And what we were able to do with something on the order of a 1,000 men and women on the ground. Um, Not in some huge footprint, not in some huge combat situation in which we were losing lives or expending vast amounts of treasure, but with a minimal presence, using principally proxies like the Kurds, we were able to keep the Turks at bay, the Syrians at bay, the Russians at bay, the Iranians at bay. That was a heck of a deal. Yeah, i think yes. and and the kind of thing that I think most Americans, if they even knew we were there at all um would not have been you know objecting to um it, it, uh, unlike you know immense amounts of personnel and treasure and equipment in Engaged in some sort of occupation of a country that has no interest in us being there and is unlikely to behave better um, because we are making that investment in them um, and and Afghanistan and Iraq and and uh, you know uh, arguably you know other places in uh, in that region come to mind as as places where you don't want to be fighting um, major ground wars that's for sure but I will say uh, I, as a As a person who believed very strongly that when we were attacked from Afghanistan, we needed to take out the Taliban. Uh, As a person who believed very strongly that Saddam Hussein was engaged in uh, not only violating the various sanctions that had been imposed upon his regime, but was working to uh, build capacity, that he yep. made clear he intended to use against us. We needed to remove him as well. I wouldn't have done it the way we did it in either of those cases. Um, once the the immediate, uh, you know, mission was accomplished uh, of getting rid of that dangerous, you know, actor. Yep in the case of the Afghanistan, the Taliban, in the case of uh, Iraq, his Saddam and his regime. But I would say, I think that um, to the extent that uh, our presence in that part of the world, um, particularly afloat on our naval vessels um, with a minimal land presence, with the ability to project power in the air, is a, is a means of helping to manage circumstances that uh, that do matter to us, do matter to us, not just someplace else, but can matter to us at home. And I think that's the kind of uh, exercise of peace through strength that President Trump has in his best moments said he espouses.
0: Frank Gaffney, that was a really articulate way of saying my, my shorthand comment I was going to make to kind of wrap up was just that I want the Islamic regimes in this world that have any interest in jihad, or not just regimes, but entities of all kinds in this world who think they have and they should be moving forward to create a caliphate. There are jihadists in, in mind. I want all of them afraid of America, afraid that we won't mm. let them succeed, afraid that they they sense our presence. So to me, any and so you you said that in a very articulate and well-educated way. I'm kind of saying, kind of Main Street America. I I want the bad guys, bad actors in this world, afraid of us and and aware that we will fight to defend the pre- the idea of freedom in america and other places in the world because our crushing back or pushing back jihadists and islamic supremacists over there keeps us safer over here long term so last wrap yeah. op- up could i
2: just make one one quick point Absolutely. on that very quickly i, I think you're right the, the other piece of it which i think americans need to be clear about those folks are By their terms, our enemies, they believe that it is Allah's will to impose Sharia worldwide, and they have to do it, and we're the principal obstacle to doing that. So if they don't fear us, if they don't feel uh, dissuaded from trying to accomplish that, you can bet that they will be at our throats, Um, not just against, again, our personnel overseas, but, uh, but here at home as well
0: very well said frank gaffney founder and executive chairman of the center for security policy you can find their work many many insightful articles full of information at securefreedom.org and frank i thank you for taking time talking with us thanks for joining me today
2: it's a blessing thank you so much debbie Talk thank you, you.
0: Too. so folks i'm telling you i really you know i have many more thoughts obviously we you can't cover this vast subject uh, in a short interview but The main thing I I mentioned earlier, and I'll close out this little segment with this, this idea of armchair, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking, national security experts pontificating on Twitter, pontificating on Facebook, talking as though they understand, you know, this was wrong and this was right. I, I like that Americans care and they're following the news. And they, But I also think the complexities of the Middle East, the complexities of the various players involved, their mission, our mission, how much our, uh, we can actually as Americans genuinely say that our interests are threatened by certain groups. I think the issues are more complex than the armchair quarterbacks want to uh, Monday morning quarterbacking uh, crowd wants to give. I think that President Trump, you know, in this uh, decision, his conversation actually with President Erdogan two Sundays ago, saying we're not, we're gonna pull our troops back and letting Erdogan move into Syria. It was very, very hard to understand and and not standing with our allies, the Kurds, extremely troubling. And so I do understand people's concern. I'm grateful for the way it came out. It seems to have come out. I mean, the story never ends in the Middle East, but right now we're standing where we have Erdogan asking president trump to help him with peace negotiations with the kurds this is a good step forward and i'm grateful for that and i'm also grateful that there are organizations like center for security policy and people like frank gaffney staying in staying on top of the news understanding it able to explain it to people who care very much about keeping america safe and free I want to turn now to a wholly other story. Um, and you know, I um, the, the courage, we'll probably have people coming on again talking about this uh, story shortly, but I want to talk a little bit about CNN. Um, this is a very short little segment, but CNN had uh, be, fell victim to, thankfully for the good guys, fell victim to Project Veritas, the organization that uh, goes in and does undercover filming and they actually, Project Veritas released a video that involves language, words by the CNN, the CNN network, communist news network. Okay. It's not communist really, but CNN president, Jeff Zucker caught on these videos, essentially telling everyone in America who listens that his entire mission. Is not to report the news not to be neutral his mission is instead to push the impeachment of President Trump regardless of the facts so this is my very fine producer Matt I have a clip of CNN uh, and this is actually from the project Veritas folks Good
2: morning,
0: everybody. Um, okay Let's start with Washington, I, I
2: don't care about the MSF in the event okay I don't care about it um,
1: Uh, my name is Kerry Porch. I'm a satellite uplink technician. I'm a contractor at the CNN Washington, D.C. Bureau. But Jeff
0: Zucker, yeah, basically president of CNN, has a personal vendetta against Trump. Okay, that I clipped off a very short portion because it goes on and on and on and on. Two points I make about that: this. One is, that when you know that the president of an alleged journalistic entity, CNN presents themselves as journalists, and he's telling you, he's telling his staff, don't cover anything else. Stop covering these other stories. Who cares? Stop covering, in fact, other clips. Stop covering things that make Trump look okay. He is on a mission to destroy the president. He does not deserve. CNN does not deserve you listening to it. It does not deserve your respect for it, your presumption of truth, because people who are interested in the news will turn it on. And they think, well, I'm paying attention to whoever it is, so I'm pursuing truth. I'm going to assume I get truth because I'm listening to an actual news network. CNN does not deserve your the presumption of truth. In fact, they deserve just the opposite. They deserve having intelligent Americans stop listening to them Stop believing anything they say, and I actually mean anything they say, CNN is on a mission to divide America, to destroy President Trump's presidency, to push. They are simply the propaganda arm of the radical left. CNN is simply the propaganda arm of the American left. They are not seeking journalism. They're not seeking truth. They do not wish to share truth with you. They, in fact, there are reports about people inside CNN, people who work there, other clips saying, yeah, it's kind of bad. I came here because I thought I was going to be a journalist. I wanted to get to report things. You can't talk about anything else. Everything is driven by Destroy Trump. And I urge you, if you go to our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org, on the homepage under shows, go down to the drop-down list of links. There are articles in there, including today. I linked you to the entire Project Veritas set of tapes they made inside CNN. You can hear the people at CNN saying, "We can't even do our. This is not journalism. This is not our job. We came here to be journalists. All we are is." playing out the mission of the CNN president, Jeff Zucker, trying to in any way he can destroy President Trump. So if you possibly still listen to CNN after watching my show, I cannot explain that, but I urge you to never just understand you might as well be listening to Pravda. You might as well be listening to the, if you don't know what that is, that was when the communists still ran Russia, their news source was Pravda, they controlled everything the people in their country ever knew. Okay, last story for the day. This was the most amazing, uplifting, wonderful thing that happened. Attorney General Barr. Attorney General Barr, who was, you know, as you know, appointed by President Trump, he is now on a mission to get to the bottom of what happened inside the FBI Department of Justice when they cooked up the Russia collusion hoax in an effort to, to carry out a coup against President Trump. Attorney General Barr spoke at Notre Dame's law school this past weekend. So he's at Notre Dame, which is a Catholic school, as you know, he is speaking to the law students. And he said some of the most profound things that really tie into the idea that the idea of law in our country, you know, we say we have a constitution and we have the Declaration of Independence and the constitution, we have federal laws and state laws. He got at the ideas, so that's his job as the Attorney General, is to understand the laws, to apply the laws. It matters a lot what a person thinks about the nature of truth, how discerning they are, in order for them to carry out that job, such as Attorney General. I'm gonna read you a couple of things Attorney General Barr said at at the Notre Dame Law School. He said, One of the ironies, as some have observed, he talked about basically he me back up and say he talked about the creation of a new secular religion, new secular religion. And so he said, one of the ironies, as some have observed, is that the secular project has itself become a religion pursued with religious fervor is taken on all the trappings of religion including inquisitions and excommunication those who defy the creed risk of figurative burning at the stake social educational and professional ostracism and exclusion waged through lawsuits and savage social media campaigns he's talking about the rise of the secular left driving truth out of our society He goes on, today, in the face of all these increasing pathologies, instead of addressing the underlying cause, we have cast the state, and he puts it in all caps, the state, in the role of alleviator of bad consequences. We call on the state to mitigate the social costs of personal misconduct and irresponsibility. The secularist government attempts to alleviate bad consequences by advancing abortion enabling drug use, enabling drug use, and assuming the role of parent and spouse, Barr said, and while promising unlimited freedom, the end result of the secularist religion is one of servitude." One more quote. So the reaction to growing illegitimacy in our country is not sexual responsibility, but abortion. The reaction to drug addiction is safe injection sites. And he said, the solution to the breakdown of the family is for the state to set itself up as an ersatz husband for the single mother and an ersatz father for the children. The call comes from more and more social programs to deal with the wreckage. He says, and while we think we're solving problems, we are underwriting them. We start with the untrammeled freedom and we end up as dependents of a coercive state on whom we depend. I mean, he—it was an astonishingly profound speech he gave at Notre Dame. Astonishingly profound. Uh, he goes, he—I mean, I, I can't read the whole thing to you, but it was really very moving, very insightful, and it made me feel so grateful that this guy is our attorney general because he's getting beyond just follow the laws. What does the federal law say? What does the federal law mean? How do I apply it in this case? He is acutely aware of the breakdown of American society, largely due to the rise of secularism, largely due to the power the American left has amassed by driving God out of public school, God out of public life, religious thought out of American culture, the mockery of Christianity, the mockery of serious faith, the rise of secularism as the secular government, as the omnipotent power in this country. And he's talking about the ways in which that mindset, that secular mindset that now rules America, rules the American left has, truly destroyed families, communities, individuals' lives. We don't, we, we don't take responsibility for our morals. We turn to the government to solve the problems that are the outcome of the breakdown of morals. So you might imagine many, many conservatives were jumping up and down and clapping other people had different reactions and want to quickly share them with you he um his again there's one quote i really liked the secular project has itself become a religion pursued with religious fervor those who defy the creed of secularism risk a figurative burning at the stake social educational and professional ostracism and exclusion waged through lawsuits and savage social media campaigns so Naturally, leftists, let me just tell a few of them, New York Times columnist, Paul, the intolerable New York Times columnist Paul Krugman accused Attorney General Barr of religious bigotry. Religious bigotry for saying those things. Political ethicist, and this, this funny column Wall Washington Journal calls him, and also professional attention seeker, Richard Painter. Tapped out a series of furious tweets calling the speech the latest episode of The Handmaid's Tale and, um, and just, I mean, mocking him. In fact, he says, suggesting Mr. Barr isn't much of a Christian and said he's more like a vintage Goebbels, the Hitler guy. He's analogizing Barr inviting America to recognize the destruction caused to our society by secularism. this guy's reaction is to compare Barr's speech on that point to hitler's team and they also had msnbc retired army colonel lawrence william wilkerson once chief of staff to colin powell he says he told he called um the attorney general Barr, call him a torquemada in a business suit a reference to the spanish inquisition's grand inquisitor these people cannot stand when the truth is laid out before them in a magnificent public speech by the attorney general at Notre Dame Law School. It was it just a really, a breath of fresh air. And I, I'm gonna go back to something before we're gonna turn to our Wyatt Matters you in just a second here. But the idea that American voters care about the politicians they elect about their mindset. How do they think? How do they reason? Does faith play into their view of the world? Do they view the US government as almighty God, the the giver and taker of wealth, the decider of who gets to keep their wealth, the governor and controller of the healthcare system? Do they see government as God? Or are they people more aligned with the idea, the traditional American idea, the importance of Christian faith and of course, the importance of the, of Judaism and the Jewish faith, the Judeo Christian ideas that founded this country, this still matters to many, many Americans. This speech is very, not just gratifying and kind of happifying, but it really is uh, affirming of the idea that the values you bring the recognition your ability to see the the evils of the power the rise of secularism the evils it entails and the outcomes of secularism this is a great thing to know that a man who could give that speech is our attorney general I urge you to read the speech. Go to our website again, talk.org and under the homepage, under Shows, drop down list of links. You can read his speech there. Read articles about the speech. Just say just a tremendous, tremendous uh, recognition of what a deep thinker Attorney General Barr really is. And now, at the end of every show, I always turn to telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. We talked in our very beginning of the show today. We talked about Turkey and the Kurds and ABCs uh, just freak out. ABC News ran video from a Kentucky firing range as if it were video from Syria in an attempt to prove immediate violence against the Kurds resulting from Trump policy. We don't even know what's true anymore. If you listen to ABC or CNN, you don't even know the stories they reported. In fact, the report's saying that a lot of what, what the mainstream media was reporting about what the Turkish invasion did were not even true. Okay. But understand, this exemplifies what ABC News did, exemplifies fake news, a false report intended to spin a narrative that's always anti-Trump. It is insidious, it is relentless, and it is outrageous. Americans must fully and finally resolve, shut off, stop paying any attention to the mainstream media. There's no objectivity, there's no integrity whatsoever. It's entirely a propaganda arm of the leftist Democrats, a complete tune-out of the mainstream media by americans is the only way america will ever inspire the creation of new responsible media and listening to my show america can Me talk second cnn impeachment derangement the project veritas videos inside cnn confirm that cnn's president jeff zucker directs an all impeachment all the time news agenda dismisses conspiracy theories at fox things like the fbi's involvement is a conspiracy theory in the whole trump russia collusion thing again americans must fully and finally resolve shut off stop paying attention to the mainstream media there's no objectivity no integrity whatsoever entirely a propaganda arm of leftist democrats a complete tune out of the mainstream media and yes, I'm repeating what I just said in the last slide. A complete tune out of the mainstream media by Americans is the only way America will ever inspire the creation of a new and responsible media. Attorney General Barr's moral clarity and courage. It matters to have leaders who think like he does. Attorney General Barr's stellar speech at Notre Dame is a serious, knowledgeable, intelligent warning about secularism and moral decay in America among the militant secularists secularists this is another great line he had among the militant secular secularists sorry i can't speak english secularists are many so-called progressives but where is the progress think what progressives had done to this country the secular project has itself become a religion pursued with religious fervor Taking on all the trappings of religion, including inquisitions and excommunications, those who defy the creed risk, a figurative burning at the stake, social, educational, and professional ostracism, and exclusion waged through lawsuits and savage social media campaigns. This is a man with a moral compass rooted in scriptural truth. Last thing, also about Attorney General Barr and his moral clarity, founder John Adams said he was right in 1798 and it's right for now our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people it is wholly inadequate to the government of any other join us at america can we talk to reawaken to the powerful enduring heritage of america And that my friends is my show for today america can we talk i urge you to tune in every monday through thursday at 3 p.m central time go to our website AmericaCanWeTalk.org. check out our postings email me at americacanretalk at gmail.com please like our Facebook page comment. Please follow me on Twitter at Debbie. Can we talk on YouTube? Please subscribe. Please comment. I love the political conversation about America. I love talking about America because it's the most extraordinary, unique experiment in human liberty ever to bless this earth. I talk about America because America matters. I'll talk to you next time.
1: Can We Talk Truth About America?